put on your calendar is next Sunday is Heart for the House Sunday. This is kind of like our big vision Sunday. Uh, I've got a big uh, announcement to make next week. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but you've got to be here in order to hear it. Uh, we've got some other things that we're doing, but every year, uh, this is the second year that we've doing this, and we're going to continue to do it ongoingly, is we take some time to pray and say, God, what part of generosity would you like us to play individually or as a family in expanding your kingdom and enhancing the ministries that are part of our church? Now, as a church... We take regular tithes and offerings, uh, and we create a budget every year that helps us plan and keep operation expenses and all the things that we do as a church, kind of fund uh, those ministries and fund the generosity, even the benevolence, our our, uh, outreach giving that we do as a church. All of that comes off a budget that we set off of kind of anticipated giving. But we ask every person who's a part of our church that would be willing to, to set aside some time and to pray and to make a faith kind of commitment, if you will. It's not a pledge. It's not a contract. It's not a covenant even. It's just a good faith estimate to say, this is what we would like as a family or as a giving unit, what we would intend in faith to give kind of above and beyond our regular giving. And that allows us as a leadership to plan different projects, to plan different enhancements, capital improvements even around here. And it just, depending on the giving and depending on what we see God doing and and the generosity, it allows us just to plan the speed and the scope of the different things that we're able to do as a church. So it's just a way for us to be intentional together and to create some strategy to move forward. And so we're going to be making these commitments next week at the end of our service all together, you'll be able to fill out a form or you can do it online through our central hub. But I want to encourage all of you that are a part of our church today that you consider Faith Church your space. This is your home. I want to invite you over the next seven days just to begin to pray and say, God, what part do you want me to play over and above my regular giving towards Heart for the House? What is, what is it that you... And he will give you, I believe, a number or a strategy for giving over and above your regular giving. And we did this last year, and we heard some really amazing testimonies from it. Couples that their marriages, man, just God did something cool in their heart because they just kind of realigned themselves to the priorities of God and did some things in a generous way. And so I want to encourage you to pray about it. Next Sunday, it's going to be incredible. Well, if you have a copy of Scripture, go with me to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. We'll be there here in just a minute. We've been in a series called Stride, and it's more than just a teaching series. For us, it is a kind of a prophetic declaration, a a framework for us as a church to say this is the direction and this is how we want to live. We want to find the right stride. And so we defined the very first week of the series that the right stride is a stride that allows us to have conversation as we go about our lives. In other words, if you're running your life isolated, you're running it wrong. If you're running at such a fast pace that you can't have conversation with people because people matter to God, then you're running it the wrong way. If you're living your life, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. You're doing it the wrong way. That's the wrong stride. And we wanted to have the right stride. And we defined last week on Facebook, do our thankfully because of all of the snow, but technology is wonderful and allows us to still meet together. Uh, you can still go back and watch it if you missed it last week. But we said that the right stride is a stride of faith. That if we're going to have the right stride, we've got to recognize that the right stride is a stride 
of faith. It is a stride that chooses to surrender. It surrenders control and it chooses to live as a steward because everything in life comes down to this issue, this idea of stewardship. Everything for the believer, everything for somebody who's following Jesus really comes down to recognize I surrender control to Jesus. He gets to be Lord. And as a result, he's the owner of everything in my life. And I choose to live my life as a steward, open-handedly serving the Lord. I want to talk to you today as we kind of continue in this series and continue to talk about the word stride. Now, uh, we, we've kind of been, uh, I've been using the illustration or the, the metaphor of physical running. Now, some of you are like, oh, I hate running. I'm checking out on this one. Uh, but I promise I'm not going to make you actually all get up and run. We're not going to set a 5K goal for all of us as a church. That's, that's not where we're going. But, but we're talking about running. And one of the foundational key things is, is running. And you need the right shoes to run the right race. To have the right stride, you're going to need some shoes. So I brought some of my, my shoes kind of just by way of example this morning. Here's the, here's the first shoe that I, that I brought. This is a, a shoe... It's called, uh, it's made by a, a company called Tom's. Anybody ever heard of Tom's shoes? These are great. They're really stylish. They're fun. They're comfortable. They're really lightweight, which would be great for running. But the problem is it's super lightweight, but it doesn't have much stability. It's not really a great shoe to run in. This might be a great date night shoe, but it's a terrible two-mile run shoe. And one of the downsides to this really loose easy, breathable, kind of relaxed shoe is that oftentimes when you take your foot out of the shoe, it has this odor, shall we say. And baby powder becomes your friend if you wear Tom's shoes quite a bit. But, but that, that's not really a great, great shoe to run in because it, it's not really stable enough. And so I've got some more stable shoes that I have. This, these are my snow boots. These, these awesome London Fog snow boots my wife got me for Christmas. Don't they look sharp? They look good. Don't they? I like, they're great. And one, one thing about these, um, it's got great grip, so you'll never slip, but it's also a really steady and sturdy. In other words, you really don't have much mobility in this shoe. Like it solves the problem of sturdy for you right here. You will be stable in these, but you're like, you're like, Oh, I got it. Ah, I got it. Like there's not much flex and move. It's really rigid. And that's that. But they're comfortable. They're just really rigid and there's not much flex or movement with it. But these are my, my, my running shoes. These are, these, these are custom fit for my foot. They feel great. They're sturdy. They're strong. They're breathable. So there's not, you know, that smell that we talked about a minute ago. These, these are my, my favorite shoes. They're, 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 they help me grip. They're lightweight enough, but they're strong and sturdy enough that my ankles don't roll. Helps me head a solid stride every step of the way, and I don't wobble as I go. Here, here's what I know about your life and my life. What we put on matters. The things we put on our lives either help stable our lives or keep us in a more wobbly mode. In your, your life, in, in, in your faith, there are things that you can put on and that you wear or that you embody that kind of create a little bit of a stink. There are some things that you do in your life and your spiritual journey that kind of keep you a little wobbly. You're kind of sure-footed here, but you kind of wobble and stumble a little bit there. What we find to stabilize the foundation of our life matters. 
Life like running requires stability. When you're running, they say that the one thing that really helps you uh, create a stable stride is what they call the, the, the pelvic muscles. Your pelvic muscles. Now, it, there's, a, there's a stability that you need in your pelvic muscles. Not talking about pelvic thrustings. That's a different sermon for another crowd. Talking about stability in your pelvic muscles. Because with every stride, if your stride is, if you've got enough stability in your, in your pelvic, with every stride you can take, it's a solid. It, you, you don't wobble. You don't wander. Uh, sometimes when I'm running, I, I don't have great stability. And so my stride kind of, I'm going this way, but I kind of shift a little bit this way. And then with the next stride, I go this way. You know what I'm talking about? And I, I like my running partner, uh, the guy that I go running with a lot, I will find myself like crawling over into his lane. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, my pelvic isn't strong enough today. I don't know. Something wrong. There's, it's not strong enough. But if you have a strong enough stride and you're, you have enough stability from your pelvis, you can keep going in stride without wobbling, without faltering, without wavering. And they say the way to tell whether you have a strong enough pelvic stability is to listen to, the, to your feet as you run. Because the person who doesn't have strong enough uh, muscles or enough stability in their pelvic, they run like a giant. Boom, boom, boom. Like, like their feet land really heavy and loud. Can you imagine a giant running a 5K? The lack of grace that that would look like. Like there are people who run, you're like, oh, that's pure grace in motion. That's not me. That's not what I look like when I run. It's more like a wounded duck, I think, when I, when I run. But if there was a giant running, they would, with every step, it would be loud. And with every step, they would wobble a little bit and they would shake as much as the ground under them would shake. Today, I want to talk to you from the subject of the stride of giants, the stride of giants. See, we don't want to run loud. We don't want every stride to be just such a heavy, forceful stride. We don't want it to be one that wobbles or wavers or, or keeps us off track and unstable when we run. No, we want a strong, stable stride that helps us move forward with everything that we have. And God has given us something that will stabilize our stride. And, and here's the sermon in a sentence. Here it is. The one thing I want to say today, and we're going to unpack this for the, for the next few minutes that we have together. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And if you're not a note taker, I want you to grab something to write this down. Here, here we go. Here's, here's the whole sermon in a sentence for you. Grace stabilizes our stride of faith. Grace stabilizes your stride of faith. Grace is what stabilizes your movement and your stability to keep you from wobbling and it keeps you from wandering. It keeps you landing soft in life and soft in your relationships, not heavy and hard and loud and noticeable. It keeps you steady and stable. Why? Because grace stabilizes our stride of faith. Galatians chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 19. Galatians 2, starting in verse 19, this is, this is what it says. For though the law, for through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. I live by faith in the Son. I don't live it by my own efforts. I don't live it by my own works. I don't live it by my own good deeds and my own religious upbringing. I live it by faith in the Son of God who loved me. Oh, I love it. Who loved me. God loved you. Jesus loves you and gave himself for me. Verse 21. This is where we're going to really major today. Verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God. I don't set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Christ died for nothing. I want to recommend a book to you. It's called Grace. The Power to Change. I read this probably in 2001, 2002. And it's written by a man by the name of Dr. James B. Richards. I looked this morning. You can still pick it up on Amazon. I highly recommend this book to you. This, this has been, I've read this multiple times over. And it has helped me understand God's grace in a new way. This will help you run your race in a way that doesn't set aside God's grace. God's grace is necessary for you to run your race. You cannot run the race and you cannot have the stride that you need without the grace of God. Without it, you will be like a giant making a mess everywhere they go. You will be like a giant who's running through life loud, obnoxious, can be heard and felt for miles to come. Without God's grace, you'll land in such a way that you will wobble as you land and you will wander off the course because you don't have the stabilizer that you need called grace. He says, I do not set aside the grace of God. I don't set aside. In other words, whatever you do in life, in your faith, in your pursuit of God, don't ditch God's grace. Don't ditch it. Now, now there are two giant ditches that people land in when it comes to grace, both in the body of Christ and outside of the body of Christ. I don't know if you're aware of this. Two huge ditches that people end up living their lives from. And one of the ditches is the ditch where uh, there are all rules. Everything is about rules. Rules, 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 rules. They are graceless in their life. In other words, they're the people that are, that are trying to create a, a legalistic approach to life. And there are these legalistic demands that they place on your life. If you don't dress a certain way, don't come to church. Legalism. If you don't act, think, and, and behave exactly like we do, you're not welcome here. There are many places where people will welcome you in, but they immediately expect your behavior to line up with their behavior. And they use behavior as a way to create a a belief system. Here at Faith Church, you can show up and belong even if you don't believe like we believe. In fact, you can show up and belong and not even behave like we behave. This is still a safe place for you to pursue God's grace. See, there are some ditches that people end up in. One of these ditches is this all rules, all regulations, all sorts of religious exercise so that you look like your life is together, but you're falling apart. And there are all these legal demands that people place on your life. But that's one ditch. On the other ditch, 
you have this idea of what I call sloppy grace. No rules at all. Do whatever you want to do and God's grace will cover it. Live how you want. God's grace is there. It's sloppy grace. The Bible refers to it as lawlessness. So on one ditch, you have legalism that demands something. And on the other side, you've got lawlessness or sin, and that destabilizes your life. It creates the wobble. It creates the the wandering. It, It creates this. And on each side of the race that you're supposed to be running, you could be in grace, but most of us end up in one of these ditches. And we hop from ditch to ditch. We go from one ditch to the other ditch. Legalism, got to get it right, got to behave right. You're not doing it. You're not looking. You don't play the part, do it. Dress this way or don't show up at all. Act this way or don't you know how it is. If you don't retweet this seven times, you're not, you don't love Jesus, right? Like legalistic people. But then you end up on the other ditch where it's lawlessness. It's like, we're under grace. We can get drunk, doesn't matter. We're under grace. I can look at it, doesn't, doesn't hurt me. I'm under grace. You don't get to tell me what's right and wrong. I'm under grace. It doesn't really matter if I'm sleeping around. It doesn't really matter how I live my life. I'm under grace. And we start using the freedom that God gave us as an excuse to be selfish. And we end up on either ditch. Here's the problem with that. Here's the problem is that whenever we live on either of those ditches, we end up distancing our walk from God. It deafens our hearing of God's voice and it deadens our heart. It deadens our heart. We can't end up on either dish. Legalism isn't the answer and lawlessness isn't the answer. The grace of God is what stabilizes our life. I want to illustrate this. I want to invite Kevin to come on up. And in this illustration, uh, Kevin gets to be Jesus. Don't don't laugh. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. It's not a a huge stretch. That was, I know, no grace whatsoever from the front row. We're going to represent Jesus, and I get to represent all of you, right? And so here's what happens. this, This life of faith, it's called a walk, right? And so we're supposed to walk with Jesus. And if we're walking with Jesus... We can hang out, we can talk, we can have conversation, but, but there comes a point in our time sometimes in our lives where as we're walking with Jesus, we all of a sudden, uh, we kind of get off into the ditch and we just start kind of going our own way. We're like, I, I don't really feel like going to church today. It's not really my, my jam. I, I really, you know, I really, uh, I, I really under a lot of stress today. And so I'm going to have a glass of wine and actually I'm going to have two glasses of wine and I'm going to have a fifth glass and second bottle. And I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. And nobody's really watching. And so it's late at night. I'm kind of tired. I kind of deserve a little me time. So I'm going to go look at whatever I want to look at on the internet. And I'm just going to keep going. And, and, and all of a sudden, hey, buddy, how's it going? They brought cookies to church. I like them. <laughs> Sit right here. And all of a sudden, we all of a sudden find ourselves in a place where now we've walked away from where Jesus is. Jesus hasn't changed. His love still remains. His forgiveness still shows up. His peace is still over there because he is peace. And if I don't have peace, it's not because I don't love God. It's just because I'm not where God, oh, come on now. I'm not where God is. And our our legalism and our lawlessness has created this distance in our walk. 
And if we want to hear God and we're trying to find out, man, we've got problems we've got to solve. Our marriage is on the brink. We've got to figure out what to do with our finances. And we're like, God, I need you to speak to me. Lord, I surrender it all to you. And we're in church and we're worshiping and we're loving and we're, we're serving and we're doing all the things. And we want to hear God speak. But the problem is God speaks in a whisper. And if he starts whispering, the distance that I've created, now my ears are deaf to his cry because I'm too consumed with my own legalism, I'm too consumed with my own behavior, trying to earn it on my own. I'm too consumed with my own lawlessness and disregard for the standards of God. And now I'm in a place where I'm distant from him. My ears are deaf and then eventually I live my life and, and it just gets hard because God didn't answer my prayer and he didn't do what I wanted him to do. And he didn't act the way I wanted him to act. And I don't really care what people I just inconvenience with my life because it's my life. I don't care how you feel. I just my way. I'm walking my journey. And now our hearts become deadened even to the people around us. And we end up leaving a wake of relationships everywhere we go. Why? All because we ended up in the ditch of legalism or lawlessness. All because we ended up in the ditch. So what do we do? What's the answer? What's the antidote? Hang hang right here. Here's here's what God has to say about your life and my life. Because... We all want to wander. Lord, don't we know it? We are all prone to wander. We all have this thing inside of us that says we want to do it our way rather than God's way. But we talked last week about how when you put your faith in Christ, your nature completely changes. You're no longer a sinner. You're a saint. And as saints, we can still screw up, but it doesn't change that we're saints. And Paul writes to to the church, it's not Paul, I think it's Paul, but the debate is still out there. So Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4, verse 15 and 16, I want you to hear these words. For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Oh, but he was tempted in all points as we are, yet Without sin. What in the world is that saying? That's saying that though Jesus, the difference between you and Jesus is this. Jesus was born without sin. You were born with sin. But at some point, sin still was an opportunity for Jesus. When you get saved, when you say yes to Jesus, he changes your nature from from sinful to sinless. You get the same nature Jesus was born with when you are, hear me, born again. So your nature changes. So now your nature's changed. And just like Jesus, he was tempted. Every way you were tempted, he was tempted. He was tempted to cheat on his taxes. He was tempted to fulfill his own destiny by doing it in his own way, in his own strength. He was tempted to take shortcuts to lose his integrity, to lie. He was tempted sexually. Every way you are tempted, he was tempted. Yet he was without sin. Why was that? Oh, pastor, he was the son of God. Yeah, but he left all of his God stuff in heaven to become a man. So, so what made it different? You want to know what made it different? John tells us that Jesus showed up on the scene. He was a man sent from God full of grace and truth. 
which means that you, when you get reborn and born again, you become a son or a daughter full of grace and truth. Everything that you need to pertaining to life and godliness, God has already put on the inside of you, the Bible says. Everything that you need, it's all in you. And so he goes on to say, Jesus can sympathize. He empathizes all points tempted as we are, yet he never sinned. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find, what's that word? Grace in help in the time of need. In other words, when you're walking as a person full of grace, when you're not in the ditch of legalism and you're not in the ditch of lawlessness, but you're a person clothed in grace, when you put on the right shoe, when you're wearing the right stuff called grace, no matter what happens in your life, you can at any moment in time go get the help you need before you commit the sin indeed. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like. See, it looks like this. Got a little bungee. Stopped at Walmart today on the way in. This little exercise band. Thank God Walmart was open early. That's all I'm saying. And this is what it looks like. See, now that we are fully established and linked up with the nature of God, with Jesus, we get to walk with Jesus. And so we start walking and we're, we're walking. I'm having conversation with him. We're walking to Jesus. And all of a sudden I get to that moment where like, you know what? I really feel tempted by lust today. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go, no, wait, hold on. I've got something. I can go to God anytime. Come on, look. And I start walking. It's like, oh man, my marriage is falling apart. I don't know that I got the strength for this today. I don't know. God, can you help me? And all of a sudden there's a strength. There's something at work in me, both to will and to do of God's good pleasure. So wherever he goes, now I go, we are linked up. It's not my power that's bringing me back. I want to wander over here. I want to sleep in. I want to get lazy on my devotion. Nope. Oh, but by the grace of God, I've got the strength to sustain. I've got the strength to stay stable. I might want to fall back down, but I can get right back up. Why? Because I've got the grace of God. Come on. Somebody needs to help me preach this sermon. I, I don't want to do it. I might not think I've got the strength. I might not have the ability, but nope, I'm right back where I belong because I have a relationship with God. See, grace shows up and it awakens our heart to the love of God and to the, his desire to help us. God isn't waiting to shame you. He's waiting to empower you so that sin no longer is an issue for you. You don't have to live controlled by sin. Why? Because you're linked up to the grace of God. His grace awakens your heart. It it hearkens your ears to start hearing him better. So you can't get very far. And if I thought I was going to get very far, I'm not going to get very far. Why? Because the grace of God is there to bring me right back every time. It's not two steps forwards, four steps backwards. It's one step forward. The grace of God keeps me in that spot. And I'm in step, in stride with the spirit of God, with the grace of God. And now all of a sudden... It has created this new awareness of a relationship that I never thought I had before. Is this helpful? It's God's grace that stabilizes your relationship with God. Your stride of faith. Thank Kevin for me. Listen, grace is more than forgiveness. We talk about God's grace. It's God's grace. He forgives me. It's by grace that I, I can even do what I do. It's just the grace of God. God's grace. God's grace. Listen, God's grace is more than that. It's actually the power that you need to overcome the temptation and the sin that you're going to face. In other words, if all you're using grace for <clears throat> is for your forgiveness, 
you're missing part of the components of what grace really is. You're missing some of it. Don't take my words for it. Let me, let me help you. It, it, it's there to assist your walk, but, but let me give you some scriptures on it. First Peter 4, verse 10. As good stewards. Oh, there's that word again, stewards. Why? Because everything in your spiritual life comes down to a stewardship. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Many folds. Many folds. Many sides. It's the manifold. There's a lot of folds to the grace of God. It's the manifold grace of God. Grace is a gift that has many dimensions well beyond just forgiveness. Forgiveness is a part of the dimension of grace. Romans 5.17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. In other words, because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden, all of humanity became condemned. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also, by one man's obedience, Jesus, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounds much more. So that through righteousness, eternal life through Christ our Lord. Where sin is trying to abound in your life, you need to recognize and allow God's grace to reign even more. So where sin is showing up, use that as a cue not to go further into sin knowing you can get forgiveness later. Recognize that you're linked up to God's grace and where you want to trip up and fall. Just say, God, I need your help right here, right now. And he'll pull you right back up. And it is his strength that pulls you back. Forgiveness is a part of grace, but that's not the only part. The favor of God. First Peter 5 says, all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace or shows favor to the humble. So therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. This word favor could be used for grace. They're kind of the same word used to emphasize different things. Grace has many parts. In Luke 2.52, you hear that Jesus grew in wisdom, godly character or stature and favor with God and man. There is a favor or a grace that will rest on your life when you're in right relationship with God. When you have the right stride, stabilized by God, there's a favor, there's a grace on your life. Friends, there's a grace on my life to preach God's word. There's a grace on your life to parent the kids that are in your home. There's a grace or a favor from God on your life to do the job that you do. You're not just a shop teacher. You're a spirit-empowered shop teacher by the grace of God to impact the lives of students everywhere. You're not just anything because God's grace is on you to do that very thing that you are doing. If it's a responsibility in your life as a business owner, as a parent, as a community-involved person, Whatever it is that is in your hand to do, there is a grace upon your life to do it. It's part of the grace of God. It's a gift. It's a grace. It's a gift. It's forgiveness. It's favor. And it's freedom. Many sides to grace. Romans 6 verse 14. 
for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but you're linked up to grace. That habit that you can't break, the constant moving forward, but stumbling, the addiction that that exists, the anger that continually persists and shows up in your life, the trying to control and manipulate other people, no longer has to have control over you because you're not under the law, stuck in the ditch. You're on the road of grace. God's grace is on your life to live that way. You don't have to deal with anxiety anymore. No, God's grace is on your life. Why why does all this matter, pastor? What's the big deal? I mean, so we end up in a ditch from time to time. At least we're not like so-and-so or this or that. Or, I mean, God's forgiveness, I mean, it's there. He'll forgive me. Here's the deal. Here's why all of this is so important. Why the stride of faith stabilized by grace matters. Because as goes our relationship with God, so goes our relationship with humanity. Where there are dysfunctions in the relationships with humanity in your life, those are only being exacerbated and exemplified because of a dysfunction within your relationship with God. But by the grace of God, when you get your relationship with God stable because of his grace, all of a sudden it flows out into every other relationship that you have. You become a more stable friend. You become a more stable spouse. You become a more stable student. You become a more stable child. You become a more stable adult. You become a more stable participant in a church. Why? Because God's grace has showed up and you've discovered and you've learned how to live by God's grace and you stabilize all of your relationships. So the question you might be asking is how do we stabilize our stride of grace? I'm so glad you asked. That's a great question. Two things. Number one, you got to do a sin check often. What do you mean, pastor? Well, in running, they call it a sound check. If you want to know if you're running without grace, if you're running like a giant, you have to take off your headphones, quiet the conversation, and listen to the sound that your feet are making. Are you landing too heavy? Is your stride too heavy? You need softer steps. You need more grace. You need to do a sin check in your life. You need to quiet your surroundings and say, God, search my heart and know me. You need to humble your heart and say, God, I'm coming to you with a humble heart. I need you to show me if there is anything in me that is controlling me. If I've been a slave to something that I don't need to be a slave to, you need to do a sin check. You need to do it often. And when the Lord procs and says, yep, no, there's something here. There's an attitude here. There's an addiction here. There's something here. And he begins to point out stuff in your heart. You just need to repent. Doesn't mean you cry and you bawl and you wail. and Repentance simply means this. To change your thoughts. To be in alignment with God's thoughts. What does God say about your sin? Number one, it's paid for. God isn't going to punish you for your sins. Hear me, friends. He already punished Jesus. You don't have to pay the price. Jesus already paid the price. So don't let your sin create more shame. Let it be a prompt 
to create more surrender, to get the help you need in the time when you need it most. Surrender it back to Jesus. Repentance just means to start thinking the way Jesus thinks about your sin. Your sin is not a big deal to God because he's already paid for it. He can afford it. Do a sin check. Then, how do we find keep grace in our lives? We do sin checks often. And then we do a scripture check. Every time Jesus was tempted by the devil, Jesus replied, it is written. He replied with scripture. Wherever there is a temptation in your life, find a matching scripture that helps you overcome that. To remind you of the life and the grace that God has given to you. Where there is a temptation that's consistent in your life, find a scripture. And every time you're tempted, you want to take another drink. You want to take another hit. You want to search on the internet when nobody's watching. You want to lie. You want to cheat. You want to get anxious. You want to get angry. That thing that's always tripping and causing your walk to be unstable, whatever that is, find a scripture and go, it is written. No, 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 no. It is written. It is written. And you begin to quote out whatever scripture it is that's, that's in your, that you need to find. Get a hold of one scripture. Maybe for some of you, you could go as general as, as uh, Romans 6.14. We read it earlier. For sin shall no longer be my master. So anger will no longer be my master. So, so porn will no longer be my master. So alcohol will no longer be my master. I am under grace and not under law. You insert whatever you need to. Maybe that's your scripture. Maybe there's another one that you need to hold on to. Do a sin check often and do a scripture check right with it. And when you do that, you'll be finding yourself walking, running, striding, more stable. There'll be less wandering, less inconsistencies, a greater sense of peace. Why? Because God's grace is sufficient for you and for me. And his grace stabilizes our lives. We're not giant sinners. We're not giants that are making a mess of our lives. No, we are saints saved by grace, empowered by grace to live the life of faith, to run the race that God has for us. You can be stabilized by God's grace. Will you bow your heads, close your eyes. Jesus, I pray that you would speak to each heart right here, right now. Church family, many of us in this room, we, we know, hey, we need to do, we need to do a sin check and we need to do a scripture check. And this week, we're gonna make it our aim to practice that. We're gonna practice using scripture to check off and to check beyond the sin that tries to come at us. How many of you would say, that's my commitment this week. I'm gonna find at least one scripture just hands in the air, but just by way of saying, yeah, that's me. I'm going to find one scripture. God, you see our hands by your grace. Allow us to do that. Help us to run in a stable way. Thank you. You can put your hands down. If you're here today and you say, pastor, you've been talking about God's grace and God's forgiveness, but I don't know that I have a relationship with God at all. In fact, I feel really far away from him. I, I don't feel loved. I don't feel even worthy to receive love. I, I don't have a relationship with God, but I want to start a relationship with God. Friends, all it takes today is a simple choice to surrender the control of your life 
and to choose to follow Jesus. If you're here today and say, Pastor, I'd like to surrender control and I want to follow Jesus today. That's my commitment. Would you put a hand in the air? We want to pray with you. Don't wait. Thank you. Hands are going up. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I want to surrender control and I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. Church family, can we all pray this together? Say, Father God, help us to follow you. You gave us Jesus to save us, to rescue us, to redeem us. We receive your love and your salvation today. Make us new on the inside, righteous like Christ, saved by grace through this profession of faith. We are yours. We belong to you and we want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, can we rejoice? Can we rejoice with those? Praise God.